but it's just airplanes, so it's not, it's it's, not really no this is This is the best seat in the house. It's, it's got a runway in the front yard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I guess we've got no choice but to do this thing, right? That sounds like a plan. Well, okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. At least David answered. Jeb, you're still there, right? I'm still here, yeah. Okay, all right. So um, our friend Shalbetter. Wait a minute. What time is it? i got to write the time down here. Uh, 9.48 elapsed. Um, our friend Shalbetter, um, uh, Sun and Fun Radio chairman, um, periodically sends us little ideas for stories. And he sent us this one. Um, it is a, uh, a video of a paraglider that apparently, according to the video, according to the intent of the video, gets tangled up from the launch site in a dust devil. And it's quite a dramatic piece of video with this this paraglider first getting a little scrambled, the, the chute, the envelope getting a little scrambled, but then finally inflating, and this paraglider person literally doing dramatic circles around the center of the dust devil before finally um, managing to fly away. And... Uh, and I initially called, you know, Bravo Sierra on this video because it just seemed too, too viral. It seemed too perfect. Um, but uh, I don't know, David. You're the paragl- You're the hang glidery, paraglidery guy. Is this is this plausible? Yeah, it's not only plausible. I think this is real, based on the footage after the we watched the glider finally get free of the influence of the dust devil. Yeah, where it's coming over the launch site and picking up every bloody thing in sight, including rocks and dirt, and throwing them up in the air. Yeah, and I've seen yeah, the- I've seen hang glider pilots uh, kind of pulled off a ramp prematurely when a strong thermal would come through, and uh, they, if they'd been paying attention, they could have launched a few seconds ahead of it and flown into the thermal and specked out. As it was, they got sucked off the ramp, and no, uh, no. Uh, <laughs> I was going to let it go. I no, was going to let it go. No, by. no, no bad connotations here. Yeah, all right, but, okay. But the yeah. thermal, thermal came through, and they, fortunately, the, the two times I saw this, they were both already hooked into the wing. Yeah. But one of them, one of them got spit out of that at, at an altitude too low to get away from the trees. Mm-hmm. And wound up in treetops about three hundred, three hundred and fifty feet below the launch site. The other guy, uh, you know, I don't know how he pulled it off. He was as wild and out of control as this paraglider pilot was for his first few seconds. Mm-hmm. But th- this guy with the para- uh, paragliding rig, he is a lucky sob. Uh, that could have very easily ended badly with the uh, canopy. Uh, or the envelope so tangled up that it didn't inflate. But he lucked out. Yeah. And I I, I would bet money that when he got on the ground, he was wishing he had a spare set of underwear. Yeah. I'm I'm not so sure. The the video looks too good. The the guy in in uh, uh, in the paraglider... It's almost too symmetrical the way the way uh, he uh, his flight path occurred. Um, I don't know. It's fifty fifty. I don't know if it's for real or if it's been tinkered with or what. But uh, it's it's certainly dramatic. Yeah, I'm 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 going to vote for real. 
Okay. Uh, and uh, be- because we know thermals and a dust devil is just a form of really highly concentrated thermal. Yeah, I, uh, I've, yeah. I don't know they, where they were. I've I've never seen. Yeah, it's that a shame kind of some, uh, that that kind of meteorological phenomenon up up close and personal before. So right. I don't know, you know, what it would really look like. Right. Well, I did a little research um, this morning, um, anticipating our conversation. New South Wales. Yeah. Wait, wait, and wait, I, wait, 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 wait. You actually planned something for this? Yeah, podcast? I know, right? Huh? There's another podcast I listen to called the Accidental Tech Podcast. It's a, a computer technology podcast, and and one of their claims to fame is that they absolutely do not research. They're not allowed to. They make a list like we do, but that's the end of it. All right, and then they just talk about it, and uh, they're not allowed to do research. But uh, um, yes, I did some research. First of all, I um, so so uh, Shelburne, God bless his heart, um, gave us actually a link to an online service that i that shall not be named um that i don't like and so i, I <laughs> yeah um and uh that, narrow, that, that narrows it down well okay so here we go uh, yet another podcast or a video podcast i listen to i watch uh refers to this particular service as the face balls um so uh, uh i don't know if that'll give you the hint but, but anyways book, book of faces there you go um so, um, and I was uncertain, first of all, because I didn't quite believe the video, and second of all, because I didn't want to put a baseballs link in our show notes. Um, I did some research and discovered this same video um, in a longer version on YouTube directly. So uh, that's, and I gave you guys a link in our show notes, in our uh, list here. Um, and then, um, so, and it's a longer video than the one I saw on, on the online service. And so uh, uh, it has a, it has a little bit more credibility to me that, you know, it wasn't just a brief, you know, you, you see this kind of thing and it's shades of that, uh, um, that, uh, acro plane that lost a wing in flight. Remember that? And, uh, oh, yeah. all right. And then managed to like fly and then land. All right. You know, that's what, that's what I thought of immediately. Um, but the longer version of the uh, video gives it more credibility to me. Um, and you okay. see a lot of what Dave described about the, the, uh, damage that done by the dust devil to the launch site, all sorts of, uh, ground cover that's been messed up and whatnot. But then I also did, in the process of finding this YouTube video, I did a search on YouTube where I just searched for paraglider dust devil. All right. And there are all kinds of videos about paragliders and hang gliders getting tangled up in dust devils. And just as David suggests. So, uh, I, yeah, I don't know when, 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 when we, when we are taking hang gliding lessons, you know, learn, learning how to launch there's, and there's your and problem, thermal. dude. There's your problem right there. Taking hang glider lessons. That's, <laughs> that's we've identified the problem. Yeah. Well, they, they, they warn us quite strenuously that, uh, dust devils are not thermal. They're little bitty compact, tornadoes in mm-hmm. reality and you will find yourself fighting to control the wing if you get within a wingspan or a little over a wingspan of the core of one of them and if you look at this video when it replays it's about the time the guy gets a couple of canopy spans away from it before he stops rotating around it in, in a 90 degree bank yeah yeah, it really, I mean, assuming this is real, um, it really whipped him around. And that was one of the things that made me suspicious. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can certainly imagine a dust devil wandering into the launch zone and 
wreaking havoc with the envelopes and the equipment and whatnot. But um, when it finally, when the canopy, when the envelope finally inflated, all right, and this guy is quote unquote flying, um, the the rotation, the the air that's rotating, the, the rotational air that he was trapped in made a much larger circle than I would have expected a dust devil to have. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, and that was one of the things that made me suspicious, um, and I guess still does a little bit. But uh, well, and me- Meteorologists will tell you that the only reason you see tornadoes is because of the dirt and dust and debris that they sure. suck up in the center. But there's a big area of rotation around that mm-hmm. that doesn't have all that that will crush your soul and break your airplane if you get near it. I, I, sure. And you sure. can't see it. You, you just gotta, you know, you just gotta knuckle down and say, "I'm not getting close to this." Because I've seen television news helicopters get close enough that it would violate my comfort zone. I, I've seen those too. That's pretty crazy, huh? Joe, yeah. were you gonna sit, jump in there? What no, you no, I, I must have misheard David say something. I've never mind. Wait, what did, what did you mishear him I saying? Thought, I thought I thought I heard him say something about crush your soul. Crushing your soul. <laughs> yeah, you, you did that's say it. that. I did say that. Yeah, I just, you know. It crush your soul when it breaks your wing. <sighs> oh, okay. That's just, that's just, you know, more metaphysical than I, I expected. <laughs> I know, huh? Uh, Whoa. Uh, Whoa. Okay. Um, Jeb, I, I don't know why I want to ask Jeb this question, because David's just as likely to know the answer. But are there instances of of fixed-wing airplanes tangling with dust devils in any sort of exciting fashion? I, I mean, it would be a different kind of situation, I guess. Um, but I can imagine where you would be on short final or t- or on climb out. And... I think the quick answer is yes. Yeah. I think the greater, longer answer is they might not be identified as such, uh, just given uh, okay. the scale and the uh, um, the lack of of photographic evidence, for example. Mm-hmm. You know, I, there was an episode, an event. I don't know what to call it. Um, it's, I want to say two, three years ago, where a Cirrus landed um, after a couple of Blackhawk helicopters had departed the same runway and mm-hmm. landed no, completely normal, uh, landing in a roll, uh, well, just, just, just before touchdown. And the airplane rolls left, you know, like 190 degrees or something like that. And makes it a, a left turn and ends up in the weeds. Mm-hmm. Um, and you could almost see, um, looking at the video, where the you could spot the, the location. You knew where the Blackhawks had departed from. And like 30 seconds later, this is a wake turbulence the thing, of course. But 30 seconds later, the Cirrus goes all kaflui. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, I think I have seen that. Yeah, I, yeah right. Okay. Yeah. Yep. It was it was out there as I say three years ago or so. Yeah, right. But um, sure, it's happened. We don't have all that kind of video evidence of it. Right, right. David, did were you do you have examples of uh, fixed wing aircraft tangling with dust devils? I've heard of it. I've seen photos of the results. I've never seen video of it happening. Uh-huh. And uh, the uh, incidents. Well, no scratch incident. The accidents that uh, resulted from those encounters were almost always on final approach going into an airport. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, and I've heard of crop dusters 
uh, having oh. similar encounters. Sure. Because out where they work, you know, they, on a hot day, you're going to get those puppies, particularly here in the western half of the U.S. Yeah. So, yeah, I've heard of it. Uh, I believe there have been some accidents attributed to it, but I've never really researched it. It was all kind of, hey, did you hear what happened to so-and-so? No. Get out. And mm -hmm. it and it did. Yeah. Interesting. It yeah. crushed his soul and broke his airplane. Crushed his soul <laughs> and broke his airplane. I, Sounds you know, like a country song. Sounds like a country song. You know, <laughs> what if Mary Ellen Moffat has already crushed your soul? <laughs> hey, welcome, folks, to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. I'm Jack Hodgson, coming to you from uh, the ever-industrious banks of the Conchico River in uh, Dover, New Hampshire, uh, where uh, we got our first snow of 2019 uh, overnight, and uh, we have now... I haven't been outside yet today, but uh, three or four inches, I think. Uh, what? First, first snow of 2019 is right up there with taking hand glider lessons. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'll yeah, pass, huh? Okay. Uh, climate change, man. You could have snow there before you know it, all right? And, uh, talking here to my two, I was going to say good friends, but they're giving me a lot of foolishness this morning. So uh, I don't know how. So we're uh, demoted to two acquaintances. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, one of my good friends there who, uh, if I have anything to say about, it, is going to get some snow relatively soon, and that's from uh, somewhere near Sarasota, Florida, is Jeb Burnside. Hi, Jeb. How you doing? I'm fine. Good morning. Um, hope all is well. Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year. We're recording this on uh, January 3rd, so it's uh, we're just barely into the into the new year here. Uh, yeah, you're gonna. It's gonna snow, man. You guys will lose your minds. I, I, uh, I, I yeah. Came across a photo, you know, probably on Twitter or someplace recently, where it had snowed apparently in Miami in 1972. Really? Okay. It I was, was going to ask you whether you know, there's any. Yeah. Okay. That kind and, of uh, thing. And um, I was like, Yeah. Okay. Fine. But that's not going to happen down here. In, 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 in I, you know, no. but it would be. I mean, if it does, it, we know who to blame it on. It would be, yeah, okay. It would be. Wouldn't it be cool if I had that power? Um, it, it would be bigger news than a tornado. Bigger news than a category five hurricane. If you guys had snow, and it'd I, be I, a cold day in Florida before that happened. It, it sure would be. I I've never forgotten. I, years and years and years ago, I was visiting Virginia Beach, Virginia. All right, and uh, we and I was traveling around with a show. We had just traveled. We had driven down from. This was in the middle of the winter. This was probably. January, February, something like that. And we had just driven down from Buffalo where they had some serious snow in Buffalo. And so we knew we were going to Virginia Beach and we were, this was going to be a summer vacation. We were just really excited about getting out of the winter. So we drove down from Buffalo where there was like, I mean, there were 20 foot snow banks. It was crazy. And now we're in, in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where it's beautiful and there's, the ground is clear, of course. All right. Um, and the first night we were there, actually the, the morning of the second day, they got a freak snowstorm, all right? And and in Virginia Beach, Virginia, this particular morning, it snowed basically a dusting, all right? I mean, it was probably almost not measurable, and certainly a half an inch, okay? Um, and the newspapers in Virginia Beach that morning called that a blizzard, all right? <laughs> okay? And, 
and we're from Buffalo where there were 20 foot snowbanks and we're going, well, this is no big deal. So we've gone out to like get breakfast or something like that, driving in the car. All right. And we quickly realized that it was like seriously dangerous. All right. Because all of these Virginia beach folks had no idea how to drive <laughs> in the snow. All right. I mean, it was a dangerous, dangerous place. And so we basically, you know, did what we needed to do and said, we're going back to the hotel. And we're going to hide out because this is like scary. Uh, and, uh, for about for about six hours until it all melted. All right, it was like they were winter wonderland. But I no joke. The newspaper used the word blizzard in the headline, and uh, um, I guess blizzard can be a relative thing. I uh, clearly can. But that's what would happen in Florida if it ever snowed there. It would just because I've been down there when it was fifty degrees in January, and people are losing their minds. You know, we're in winter park. Anyways, uh, I hope it doesn't snow there, Jeb. That would be a bad thing. You're and I would all, feel you're, bad. For, you're, you're already on record. As I feel bad. I would feel bad for you. I feel bad for you. And uh, from the uh, air capital of the world, Wichita, Kansas, my other good friend here is uh, Dave Higdon. Hi, David. What's going on with you? Uh, well, sliding into the new year, uh, <laughs> trying not to stub my toe on the slide. Uh, and and it's the day after the most important day of the year, so I... Uh, Oh, that's right. I'm taking it easy that's today. That's right. Happy I birthday. wasn't sure whether you wanted to bring this up, David, but yes, yesterday was, in fact, the birthday of a great American. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. So you're, what, 25, 26 years old, something like that? Yeah. yeah for the 46th or 47th time? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Uh, congratulations. Happy birthday. Thanks. It was fun. Uh, visited a couple of my favorite watering holes and mm-hmm. uh, was I'm shocked by that. Treat, treated to... Uh, uh, Free alcohol, uh, as it was. Really? Yeah. Because it was your birthday? Yep. I'm coming to Wichita. I'm going to say, I was going to say, yeah, if I go. want alcohol on my birthday, I probably have to pay for it. Uh, let's see now. I would go in April. I'm, I'm embarrassed now. I know I have it written down. Jeb, what month is your birthday? May. May. Okay. All right. Well, there we go. April, May. So we'll just spend April and May in Wichita, Jeb. We'll just make a trip. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. Um, okay. Is there a, a second choice? Uh, okay. <laughs> May in Wichita is not worth a free beer. No, that's you know, I don't know about all month. I, I, okay. I, su- I suggest we do it when it's convenient, like April at Sun and Fun. All right, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can. We there can, we go. We can do there something about that. Yeah, we'll, is, we'll, uh, we'll is, take it under advisement. The very very first time we did Sun and Fun with this podcast, <laughs> um, my birthday fell. I think we actually recorded the episode on my birthday. Uh, that was in April of what was that? It would have been two thousand seven, oh, I believe. Oh, you well, didn't ha- you didn't have any stress at all. Yeah, if, well, if no. Jeb and I had known it was your birthday, we would have had yet another drink. Uh, I know, right? Huh? <laughs> See, so, We're, wait uh, a sec. We're just now figuring this out. Did we know this? Yeah, really. Did we know Where this? Where are we here? April, nah. let's see now. Sun and Day, Fun is uh, April 2 through 7 this year, so that's not my birthday. Day, have, you, have, have you heard this before? That it was his birthday for that episode? No, no I didn't know it at the time. I didn't yeah. know it at the time. Yep. I, I still remember him looking off to the east, waiting for us to come back from the media center, <coughs> pacing back and forth on the sidewalk. We tapped like, him on like, the shoulder. Like we he, were at the media center. Yeah, like yeah, little where, did I know that you guys had a secret hideout. That, where, uh, yeah. where, where, where have you been? We <laughs> just stopped in to, uh, you've been drinking? Uh, <laughs> okay. All right. he, he was talking about you, not me. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, I mean, you know. I mean, A, it was going to be our first live on a radio show. I 
Jack, uh, Jeb, and I needed to uh, appropriately condition don't, ourselves don't, in yeah, the circumstance. Okay. Don't you guys pa- don't paint me with this broad brush. Yeah, right. <laughs> you guys have no, no, you have no shame about how on that particular morning you crushed my soul. You crushed <laughs> my soul. At least we didn't wreck your airplane. Yeah, that's right. Good. Glad to hear it. Anyways, what's going on in the world of aviation here? Um, follow up, I think. Let's see now. I got a couple of follow ups here. Uh, so this came out. This this we this was in the after show, but I'm going to mention it here in the main show. Um, I forget even. Oh, I know. We were talking about Waffle House. That's what it was. We were talking about Waffle Houses, and we were talking about the fact that there are no Waffle Houses in the Northeast up here where I live. Um, and um, the nearest Waffle House is in Pennsylvania, as it turns out. And Jeb said something interesting um, that I didn't even catch until I was editing it later on. Jeb said, I'm really, really... I, you were disappointed. Yeah, I, I'm really discouraged or disappointed or whatever it was. You said that there are no Waffle Houses within Skyhawk range of you in new hampshire and i I really liked that term skyhawk range all right it's a unit of measure okay Um, it's like it's like an an aviation maintenance unit, like an amu exactly right yeah yeah so a skyhawk range would be and i assume when you talk about this you're talking about maybe you know the the, what you the tank of gas basically right exactly yeah it's like how far can i go safely on a tank of gas and uh and yeah, but I, I probably could make it to Pennsylvania on a tank of in a, in a Skyhawk, but yeah. it's starting to be the a limit. I bet. I think so you might be cutting into your margins a little bit. Yeah. See, now I'm going to have to do the math, but I, I, I it's close. Well, it depends it's on close. the Skyhawk too, but yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so now, but this kind of now now begs the question of what other what other units of measure can we come up with here? For example, the Comanche range. All right. Um, which actually sounds like a Western movie, doesn't it? Um, <laughs> Starring Dave, John Wayne and Maureen O'Hara. Well, uh, uh, Comanches just kept coming and coming and grandma kept beating them off. Yeah, uh, but in the case of the Comanche aircraft, David, what was the what? How long? How far is Comanche range? Uh, the stock Comanche, as we bought it, you know, unmodified, uh, would go right about 675 uh, to 700 miles before dipping into reserves. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, after we modified it and made it slipperier and improved the ignition system, that jumped out to uh, about 850 miles. Hmm. Okay. And now what do you expect is going to be the range of the Sonics once you get it put together? Well, my plan is to bless it with an auxiliary fuel system uh, because I'm really hot for the idea of being able to do 600-mile legs with reserves. Okay. But stock, with the stock 16-gallon tank, about 350 miles. Oh, Okay. And then Jeb, uh, and I'm going to come back to the big one in a minute. But Jeb, the Champ, um, how big are the tanks in a Champ? The uh, a typical Champ has a single fuel tank, twelve and a half gallons, uh, mounted behind the engine. Um, the one I co-own has an auxiliary tank, another five and a half gallons, mm-hmm. in the right wing. And it's, right. it's just gravity fed straight to the main tank. There's a petcock, uh, and right there in the cockpit, it's easy to manage. So twelve and a half gallons. Let's just talk about the the stock tanks. Twelve and a half gallons. Uh-huh. Um, and what does it 
probably burns. Does it go as low as I four, they, or is it more yeah, like five was, or six? I would think they they were figuring five, maybe, uh, five. as a, as an average for that airplane when it was new. It had a you know quote unquote big engine in it. Right. Um, that's why they added the auxiliary tank to okay. give it. So to give it. I, I figured it had two and a half hours endurance. Okay, two and a half. Of course, it only goes like sixteen miles an hour. So yeah, won't. I mean you can you can spit faster. Um, yeah, no, it goes faster than that, but it probably cruises at what? 80, 80 is a 80 good is number was, in champs. You can do yeah. just about anything you want to do at 80 miles an hour. Yeah. But now here's the 800-pound gorilla, All right. so to speak. The 800-pound uh, Your debonair. Your <laughs> debonair. <laughs> okay, my debonair. Your, so a, a, a stock debonair would have what kind of tanks? The, the uh, standard tanks were uh, 25 gallons a side. The uh, optional tanks were 40 gallons a side. Okay. And now your debonair has tip tanks on the ends of the wings as Correct. well. Correct. So basically you have you carry enough gas that you could fly from Florida to Hawaii, it seems. All right. No. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> Not, no. Uh, it's, I, I, let me put it this way. The airplane will only do that once. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Uh, we can but, testify that debonair with tip tanks can make it from Wichita to Washington, D.C. nonstop. Oh, yeah. oh I would, easily, that's easily. That's easily. I, I'm trying to remember whether I've seen you, you know, with, when the winds were with you, make it home for, all the way home from Oshkosh. Yeah. Uh, I've done that, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I think, uh, yeah. And uh, Yeah, there was one year I flew after Osh, flew nonstop Oshkosh to Melbourne, Florida, which is... Uh, I think a little bit farther. I don't know. Yeah, a little bit further, I would say. Yeah, um, right. Okay. Typically, I mean, that's a long day. <laughs> that's a long day. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> then day. You, have to, you have to address the, prob- the, the question of some other types of tanks. Um, exactly. At, at that point, so yeah. So lately, you know, both going and coming, I try to make it one, at least one stop. Right. F- find some cheap gas and a place to stretch your legs for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, uh, empty the bladder and fill the other tanks. And uh, and motor on down the road, that that kills two or three birds, and um, it, it's the smart way to do it if you don't if you don't want it or if you don't have to go nonstop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Skyhawk range. Sky, I don't know if that's Skyhawk the standard range. or you know because there's obviously so many different ranges here. Um, well, you, boy, you can get into some nuances here. Uh, you know, is that a standard? 160 horsepower Skyhawk with standard tanks. Well, is it standard tanks with 180 inch horsepower ab- engine, which absolutely. is going to change the range? Absolutely. Yeah. And I flew a Skyhawk that had uh, auxiliary tanks internal to the wingtips. Yeah. Uh, that had like another, I forget, I think it had like 12 and a half, another 25 gallons of gas on in, in the wings. Mm-hmm. And that was a solid six hour airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the only I, the only real comment I was going to make was don't really think in terms of of range, but think in terms of endurance. Um, um, is, is are a, you talking about miles versus hours? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um, yeah. Because well, you're always going to have bad weather. You're always going to have reroutes. You're always going to have someone landing on, on the runway you want to land on and gear mm-hmm. up. You know, landing gear up on that runway. Um, so you know. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> Jeb's dying. He'll be back. Yeah, in a I'm, second, I'm dead. 
this move, happens move to all on. of us from time move to time. On. Yeah. Um, so, uh, David, I, here's my question, and then we're going to move on from this whole Skyhawk range thing. Um, I'm wondering whether or not the general aviation airplane industry, and I guess I'm talking about kind of you know per, you know piston every man airplanes, if you will, every person airplanes. Um, does the industry have sort of a marketing standard of, you know, like an airplane needs to be able to go at least have a range of at least X hours. Is there, is there a, a, an expectation that, you know, you want your airplane to be able to at least go this far? It, it, it's part of the design criteria when they first start working on an airplane. Uh, yeah. Uh, how many do you want it to seat? How fast do you want it to go? How far do you want it to go? And, those all get blended together because they all influence one another. Mm-hmm. If you raise the horsepower of the engine so you get a little more speed, you raise your fuel consumption, so then you need bigger tanks, so now you've got a heavier airplane, so it's going to be slower, so then you need more horsepower again, and it gets kind of wrapped around the axle. But, yeah, that's taken into account. Uh, and uh, there's also research generally done on what the typical use is going to be so, mm-hmm. you know, if you're flying a 110-knot airplane, uh, they're not going to give you tanks for, you know, a 1,000-mile range because few people would sit that long. They're going to put tanks in there that will give you three, four hours plus reserves so that you've got some weight capacity left for the people in the luggage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, but, okay. But they're all, they're all interrelated. You can't change one without influencing the other. Uh, when we did a major electrical system overhaul on Air Comanche, we took a little over 22 pounds of weight out of the airplane, which, in my mind, instantly translated into bigger payload. I could either put more fuel in or put more in the cabin. We got a 12% range boost without increasing our tankage simply by putting an electronic ignition system in the airplane. Because it burned twelve percent less fuel, mm-hmm. yeah, and that really that really helped us out on a number of occasions. But this is one of those don't try this at home, kiddies, unless you've got a fuel totalizer that's dialed into the tenth of a gallon, because that's a surefire way to find out that your gas gauges really aren't that accurate. Oh yeah, no, I'm well, yeah, I mean I'm very conservative pilot, anyways, but yeah. I, I can, yeah, and that's one of the things my early on instructor taught te- taught me. Anyways, I think teaches lots of people not to not to you know pay too much attention to the gas gauges because they're not wildly trustworthy. And uh, well, well, dip, that's why you dip the tanks and why you do the math. And uh, yeah. well, after after earning my instrument rating, and I was starting to fly in instrument conditions on a fairly fairly regular basis. I was freaked out on one trip where I'm, I'm in the clouds and I'm doing my scan and I look over at the gas gauges on the right panel and both of them, and I was only like 45 minutes into this flight, both of them are down to a half tank. Mm-hmm. And 15 minutes later, both of them were down to a quarter of a tank. Okay, well maybe you pay attention to that. So I keyed the mic to talk to the controller that was handling me. To say, I think I need to uh, deviate someplace close. I seem to be losing fuel out of both tanks. And when I unkeyed the mic, I heard a big pop in the headsets. Yeah. 
And the gas gauges miraculously went back to where they were supposed to be, one of them showing a full tank, the other one showing a tank that had had about an hour's worth of fuel burned off of it. Yeah. Found out that static electricity building up on the airframe could affect the impedance of the cinders in the gas tank. Wow. So we, uh, at uh, the next opportunity, we researched and put static wicks on at the recommendation of an avionics guy from uh, Bendix King. And, boy, what a ribbing I caught. Oh, yeah, man, what does that that airplane do? Like Mach 0.05? What is it? (laughs) Oh, because of the static wicks. Because of the static wicks. And it's like, you know. You know what? Bite my shiny metal posterior. Uh, and the problem never returned after I put the static wicks on. Yeah. Funny how that works. Yeah, really. Yeah. So, anyways, well, that's all pretty interesting. Jeb, how you doing? You all right? Yeah, you live? I'm fine. Okay. All right. Later on, I'll tell you a story about that. Don't worry about it. These things happen. Um, let's see now. Uh, moving on. Oh, Gatwick. So yeah. <laughs> so last episode, last episode, actually while we were recording, this whole Gatwick thing was happening, or at least seemed to be happening. Now we're talking about um, they 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 spotted or believed they were spotted a drone or more or or more than one drone in the airspace very near Gatwick Airport near London, and uh, um, and as a result. Um, flights just came to a halt. They they can't they they closed the airport trying to figure this drone problem, and I there were Twitter reports of people seeing these drones, and there were Twitter reports of them being careful, and um, and then in the twenty four hours, twelve hours probably after we recorded that episode, um, they actually arrested two people who they thought were the perpetrators of this drone thing. Um, only about six hours or twelve hours after that, two with great embarrassment, release them because it appeared that they clearly were not the perpetrators of this drone thing. Um, And then I heard, then the story started to get really strange. Like there was one story that said, well, maybe there weren't any drones after all. Maybe there was no drones. And then another story I saw said these might have been police, uh, law enforcement drones. And I don't know where this story is now. Have you either been following this? What, what really I have, happened I at Gatwick? Not, I have not been following it. I have no idea. Um, it, it's almost like that that uh, that thing that happened in Hawaii last year, where the the state uh, run warning system. Oh yeah, right. Said there were incoming nuclear warheads. Yeah, yeah. Um, this is not a drill. You know, right, and, and, and freaked out the whole state with good reason. Yes, for I don't know, several hours. Right, but that case turned out to be there was an explanation. For there was it. an explanation. Um, it, it was a embarrassing, silly, bad situation. But and, and the current situation involving Gatwick is not. Well, it's just that we still it's uh, the Hawaii thing pretty quickly explained itself. All right. Yeah, um, I, for I better get that. or worse, I get that. All right, and Gatwick is apparently still a mystery. Um, yeah. I, I, I don't even know what the latest is. But So you guys haven't heard anything more about this. Well, and, uh, the, the latest is that the uh, uh, Royal Army, the British Army, 
which had moved some equipment in. Anti-drone military hardware had moved into Gatwick after these I reports. Know. Yeah. That, that just got moved out in the last 24 hours uh, from uh, the news the, reports I've seen. Wait a minute. The last 24 hours? That's like two weeks ago, right? Well, so they, they waited. They, they yeah. hung around for a while to make sure that it was, uh, you know, safe for human-occupied yeah, okay. aircraft. I think, you know, in the case of the military, it had to have been like an Alice's Restaurant moment. You know, it's like, you know, all the cop equipment and the 27.8 by they, they said, oh, cool, we get to go and do a real-world ch- test of shooting down a drone here. Let's go, you know. Uh-huh. And, um, left it set up for two weeks so that they could, you know, kind of do real-world tests and stuff. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm making this yeah, up. I don't there's, know what, what. You know, if you wanted to go down that path, there's all kinds of, con- you know, conspiracy yeah. theories that one could yeah. dredge up. So, but, so um I, I really like uh, Occam's razor, and you know sometimes the simplest explanation is correct. And someone screwed up. Someone, uh, if if in fact these were these drones were non-existent, uh, someone just kind of dreamed this up as a prank. Maybe I don't know. Well, yeah. this this points up one of the one of the regulatory and hardware. Uh, challenges of integrating drones into the airspace with human-occupied aircraft. And that's the uh, ability to identify a drone the way they can identify the aircraft with a transponder. Uh, And that's being worked on as we speak. So I fully expect 2020, 2021, you won't be able to buy a drone that doesn't have a uh, specific identity uh and and, and the electronics to report that probably through adsb yeah. that's going to be yeah. the smallest yeah. and easiest thing to, to I, right. satisfy I said, that requirement yeah, i said that like five years ago that there should be a regulation that any future uh, drones have adsb out and there's yeah. there's even a spec for it that that's right. you know says you know basically gives the type of aircraft and that it's automated and I, I don't disagree. I think that would be a good thing. Um, that does not, though, solve the problem of no, no. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not the solution, but it's a solution. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so this is a. I'm just happened. I just did a quick Google search, um, and uh, from a website bgr.com, um, which is not like you know the Washington Post or or or, or the Guardian, but uh, BGR is a fairly respected uh, tech news. Um, you know, aggregator site. Um, so we'll, we'll give it a little bit of credibility here. Um, um, and they're just basically reporting that, according to this, the British police are still stumped about about who was behind it. Um, and uh, it says uh, the, the police are befuddled. They still don't have any suspects. They don't have the drones. Um, they don't have the motive. They don't, you know, this is crazy. Anyways, all right, so... But they shut. They the shut sky down, is falling. The sky sh- is falling. Yeah, they shut down an airport for like thirty-six hours. Uh yeah, it's like the price tag of that was pretty impressive. I bet, right? Oh, Any- oh yes, I'm sure. Yeah. So you can get anything uh, you want at Dallas's drone store. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways. Uh, finally, one last. We're going to use all of our allotted time on, on follow-ups here. Uh, so we mentioned the president, the Christmas presidential TFR. Uh-huh. Um, in I think it was the last episode because at that time Christmas was still um, pending, uh, looming 
it had upcoming. It, it hadn't crushed our soul yet. Yeah, or, or wrecked um, your airplane. Yeah, right. Or, yeah. Um, and and I and the real follow up I want to do on this was to ask whether or not so so since then what happened uh, was that for a variety of reasons I'm sure all right the president canceled his planned trip to Florida. <laughs> all right, calm down now. All right. And um, and I'm, so I'm laughing as hard on the inside. <laughs> I get it. I get it. All right, calm down, guys. Um, so the uh, the president did not go to Florida. Um, did the TFR get canceled? Is my question. Yes. Yes. How does this work? Well, it did well, get. He didn't so much get canceled as not never go into effect. Okay. All right. So the the bad things that happen as a result of these TFRs, at least this particular time, didn't happen. That's correct. Uh, Although people probably made plans and holy moly, right? Yeah. You know, people yeah. were able to come and go as they please from the airports of their choice in South Florida without having to worry about interdiction, interception, or a uh, command appearance before a Secret Service agent. Yeah, yeah. All so. of which is very, very good. Yeah. yeah. That, so. in, in my opinion, that should be the standard for all future it, well, presidential it, it, TFRs. It, it's kind of, you know, like a normal day, you know. Well, uh, yeah, okay, they, in what had, way? They had a normal day. Inst- oh, yeah, instead right. Of, well, instead of a uh, non-normal right. day. Right, yeah. The, that's the way it should be, but anyway. Right, okay. All right. Okay, I guess I'm going to get away from this one because this is just a minefield. Somebody and, uh, didn't get what they wanted for Christmas. Well, okay. I, if you're referring to what I think you're referring to, that's for the pol- political podcast. That's not for this one. Um, let's see now. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Let's see now. I got a whole bunch of things here. What do we got here? Well, we're almost to an hour. Holy moly! Um, oh no, we're not almost to an hour. We're almost to forty minutes. Okay, yeah. we're no, we're in fine shape. We're oh, no we problem. spent yeah. you know twenty minutes yeah. up front. Just yeah. No. No. Yeah. So, um, and I didn't. Although I I organized these, I didn't put them in. Well, I, although I picked out and made the list, I didn't put them in any particular order, so I'm just going to kind of jump out of here. This is a cool project. This first thing under the new section here. All right. Um, the the folks over at the uh, uh, Av Geeks podcast um, ha- or Airplane Geeks, excuse me, um, Airplane Geeks podcast have, uh, have put together a project that apparently has been going on for a while and I only just realized it existed but this is a cool project and that is that they are collecting from their listeners and and putting into a database with a map display um, a, a list of all of the airport restaurants that oh, you cool. can fly to all right um, and uh, if you go to this link it takes you to an entry in their um, I don't know if it's a show notes entry or a blog entry but it takes you to an entry that has a uh, a map, a Google map that is uh, uh, annotated with uh, a variety of airports that have restaurants, and so uh, I was. And it's pretty cool. Um, I was I was kind of looking around my area. It shows all of the ones I'm familiar with. It's got Nashua's air um, um, uh, restaurant. Sanford has an air a restaurant. Um, actually, it shows Portsmouth. Does Portsmouth have a restaurant? Really. Uh, no, they just has courtesy vans to take you to uh, various restaurants. Sanford, um, I think it's Laconia. Uh, no, Limington. Limington. I, I'm pretty sure I've been there. I have a restaurant. Um, so uh, yeah, if you're looking for a place to uh, to, uh, they have Hampton, uh, Northampton, which has a nice little, little restaurant. Lawrence has a nice restaurant. Um, most of these tend to be breakfast places, but uh, that's good. Breakfast and lunch. 
Um, but now let's go elsewhere here. Let's go to Kansas. Let's see here. Scroll, they got scrolls. nothing showing in Kansas. Really? And and I know four airports, at least in Kansas, with uh, well, restaurants and one one in Oklahoma. Well, your your homework assignment then, David, is to submit at least one of them to this to the system. Um, uh, so there's a, there's a link them. here. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, okay. There's a link here where you can submit an airport and an eatery. All right. And so okay. So so nothing in Kansas. Let's go. Oh, look at this. Nothing in Florida either. All right. You guys have your work cut out for you. You're going to have to yeah, fix this. Yeah, I guess so. All right. Because I happen to know there's a restaurant at uh, Sebring that's a good restaurant. Uh-huh. Um, uh-huh. There's a restaurant. Is there still a restaurant at uh, at uh, Venice? Yes. 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 Um, there's one at Whitted. At uh, you and I had Whitted. Oh, Whitted. Yeah, uh, you Whitted, and I had uh, lunch there once. Yeah, over at uh, St. Pete. A couple of years ago, yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. There's that one. Um, um, oh, there's the one up at uh, Saint Aug. Oh, wait a minute. No. Yeah, Saint Augustine. It wasn't there. No, and I'm thinking of the one that's witted. You're thinking uh, of the Saint, one witted. Yeah. Right. Saint Augustine. I don't recall having. A, maybe it didn't have a restaurant. I don't um, think we ate while we were there. No. 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 We visited with James and uh, right. yeah. So. Uh, um, anyways, this is a great project, and I encourage everyone to help populate it here. Um, it, it, you know, this is a project that surfaces, blossoms, and then fades away for a few years until somebody else picks up the ball and starts it all over again. Yeah, I mean, well, it, it, in my in my time doing this work, I've seen at least three books done with this, and and one of them done in a way that you could update it with new pages, the way you update your uh, approach plates. Uh, mm-hmm. Because that's a, that was a problem for some of the other books was, boy, they'd publish this big book with all this great research in it. And then they'd get phone calls from folks saying, well, since you talked to us about this, that restaurant is closed because it would take them two, three years to get the book right. put together. Yeah, well, so, but I hear now. It's a much better idea. No, I know. I hear now that there's this new thing called the Internet that uh, it can be dynamically updated. And, uh, Are you uh, talking about that infamous IOT, India Oscar Tango? No, yeah, okay. No, it's just the internet. Um, <laughs> airplane Geeks, uh, let's see, airplanegeeks.com, uh, eat at the airport, all one word. Although I'm sure if you just Google Airplane Geeks Airport Restaurants or something like that, you'll find it. We'll put a link in, in the show notes as well. Um, this is a cool project. I applaud these folks. And uh, um, Airplane Geeks has been around for a long time. I'm optimistic that uh, they will. it will not suffer the fate that David describes, and it will. it will keep going. Well, and uh, you know, if if any of them wander through Kentucky, there are three state parks in Kentucky that have runways, all of which have resorts and restaurants. See, okay, sure, yeah. we got we got everybody needs to. Uh, this all right, not only is this a homework assignment for Jeb and Dave and me, I'll do one too. Well, one thing, uh, one thing that's always been difficult to to uh, disseminate through this through a system like this is the seasonal nature of some of these restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there, Tangier Island in Virginia, in the middle of the Chesapeake, um, has some wonderful restaurants, but this time of year they're shut down. Now, sometimes mm-hmm. that information filters through, um, but other times it doesn't. It's still a great place to visit, even in the winter time. Mm-hmm. Your your, um, your um, opportunities are a little bit more limited. 
right things right. like that okay so so just just uh just a thought for anybody you know looking down the road at trying to put one of these together mm-hmm. here's what i want to see happen all right so this is a homework assignment not only for the three of us but for all of our listeners i want every and no messing around don't don't be a don't be a I jerk can, i can right? tell already that this is just going to crush my soul no this is i just want everybody to go uh, you know every, go look at this this uh, this database this map all right and and if you know of an airport restaurant that's not listed i want you to help populate help do this airplane geeks thing and fill up the fill up the the voids here we we need kansas restaurants we need florida restaurants i was just noticing the san francisco bay area has nothing listed so we're gonna get that one populated all right but here's what i want you to do not only do i want you to populate it i want you to so i'm looking now at the four that you fill out to to submit a restaurant and there is a comments field all right and what i want like you to do um in addition to all the other useful information i simply want you to put in the comments field in addition to whatever else you put in the comments field put i heard about this on the uncontrolled airspace podcast Uh, i heard about this database i I knew there was going to be a payoff in this somewhere yeah, that's what I want you to do. All right, so just uh, you know, and 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 you know, if you put the URL in there, you know, http dot slash colon slash slash dot, you know, uncontrolledairspace dot com. Because everybody puts in the HTTP and the slash slash. All right, so days. just put uncontrolledairspace.com or something like that. But mostly, populate the database with with good restaurants because this is a cool project. I like it. Congratulations to the airplane geeks folks for uh, for putting this together, and uh, long may it exist. What else? Um, this Cherokee AD could be a thing. Yeah, um, and I put the link in there, but I confess I don't know much more about it than the headline. Jeb, it sounds like you know a little bit about it. What's, well, first what's the of all, story here? Your, your question, um, this is related to the, uh, the Embry-Riddle crash last year. Okay. Um, and well, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, first of all, can you just summarize what the proposed AD is? The proposed AD uh, targets... Uh, rear wing spar attach bolts on uh, a lot of, if not all of, the PA-28s ever made, as well as uh, some of the PA-32 aircraft. This is not really new. There've, there have been a number of service bulletins uh, on these aircraft over the years for some of the same things, looking for corrosion, mm-hmm. looking for cracks. But basically... Um, what happened is April of last year, a guy's on his commercial check ride flying an Embry-Riddle airplane. He's an Embry-Riddle student. Uh, they go out and do air work, uh, come back, do a touch and go, and they're climbing out, and the left wing falls off. Yeah. Yeah. And the NTSB's got photos, and I've, I've published them in the magazine, actually, of, uh, cro- of where the, the spar broke. And you can see the, the, the fracture. You can see the, the uh, fatigue in the metal. And mm-hmm. this was a high t- – it was – curiously enough, it was uh, only about an 11-year-old airplane. It wasn't that old an airplane as these things go, but it had like 7,000 hours on it. And the, the theory is that those were hard hours in a training environment. So what the FAA wants to do is is uh, figure out a weighted uh, number based on um, how hard the airplane has been uh, flown. And if it's been flown in excess of this number, um, they want an eddy current inspection done. 
Um, before you could even do that, though, you have to go through the paperwork and determine uh, with some specificity how, how old the wing spars are and how many, how many uh, cycles they've been through. Mm-hmm. Before you can do, before you need to do anything else, um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, it's a proposed AD. It, mm-hmm. um, comments are due by February four. And and when you started this out by saying this could be a thing, well, what did you mean by that? Excuse me. That's okay. Um, Talking could, about a lot of yeah, could, there's a lot of airplanes involved. There's nineteen thousand and change. You, you put twenty in, that's a good round number. Um, but you know, this is they inspected a second airplane in the Embry Riddle fleet and found similar uh, um, evidence, similar uh, mm-hmm. uh, details. So that's not a good thing. No, no. But now, do we think? Does the AD or any of these reports, this is not an Embry-Riddle problem. This is a salty air problem, isn't it? No, it's not even a salty air problem. It's a fleet problem oh, okay. um, based on the basic design uh, Excuse me, of the wing spars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, the trick is how the airplane's been used, not so much where it's been used. Okay. Interesting. All right. Well, I'm sure all the Piper owners know about this and uh, are... Uh, but this is sobering, yeah. It's, I mean, it's good that it's going to be addressed, but uh, and it's been found. But uh, yeah, it is. Yeah. It is sobering. And um, uh, for right now, it looks like uh, it's not going to be any any great hue and cry out there. This is something that needs to be resolved. I don't know. Right. Uh, right. This came out right before the holidays, uh, right before the Christmas holidays, I should say. Yeah. Uh, so there, yeah. that plus the government shutdown, there just hasn't been much out there floating around in the industry about this in the way of reaction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. One more. I, 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 so we are reaching the end of our allotted time here. Um, there, there's one more thing on our list that I wanted to touch on. Unfortunately, I wanted to give Jeb's voice a break here, but this is a Jeb item. I really wanted to hear Jeb's reaction. Well, to this. I want to save that uh, for a shout out. Uh, the, uh, accidental thing. Yes. Okay. All right, then we'll save it for yeah, a shout out. Save that for well, a in which case I'm going to say shout outs. Oh, well, maybe we'll just do <laughs> shout outs. What's going on here? All right. So here we're, we're going to do the magic of audio editing. All right. Uh, so, so I don't know how I want to do this here. I'm making this up as I go along. All right. The magic of audio editing. All right. Uh, I'm going to pause for just a moment. Hi, this is Jack. We here at Uncontrolled Airspace are very grateful for the financial support we receive from our listeners. There are two simple ways that you can contribute to this podcast. You can make a one-time non-repeating donation by using PayPal. It doesn't need to be very much. As little as 10 or $15 is a big, big help. Or you can make an automatically repeating per-episode pledge with Patreon. With the online service Patreon.com, you can pledge as little as $1 per episode, put limits on your per-month contribution, and change or cancel your pledge at any time. For more information about how you can support this podcast in one of these ways, see the Uncontrolled Airspace homepage and the box in the right-hand column labeled Tip Jar. That will take you to a page with details on both these support methods. Thanks.
there, that wasn't so hard. During that little pause, uh, we heard the uh, little Patreon pitch. Um, and as I just said, thank you to all our Patreon supporters. We really appreciate it. Yes, we do. But now I haven't given you guys any time to think about shout-outs. Who's got one? Jeb, do you want to? Uh, I'm going to try to let Jeb rest his voice. David, what do you got in the way of a shout-out? Uh, shout-out uh, word out of the Experimental Aircrafts Association looking at uh, accidents and fatalities of experimental amateur-built aircraft. Uh, the uh, 12-month period ending on September 30, 2018, uh, is the fourth straight cycle where accidents and fatalities declined in the EAB community. Uh, fell 2% to 44 in total number of accidents for the 12-month period. Uh, final figures show that uh, fatalities are below 14% below the FAA's not to exceed goal of 51 accidents for the period. So the trend is good. Uh, and FAA and EAA have both had a big hand in that uh, particularly EAA in developing things like uh, a, a flight test guidelines for when you're flying off that 25 or 40 hours that you have to fly off before the FAA will deem you free to roam the country. Uh, better use of flight advisors and uh, uh, assistance from the community. So all good. Congratulations. Let's keep it up. We can, yeah, all, we can cool. all do better. Big time. Big time. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. Uh, it, it's, it's especially good. Um, it's been, I don't know, 10 years or so. Um, NTSB did a special uh, look-see at experimental aircraft safety and found some uh, some needed uh, um, adjustments, shall we say. Uh, the industry's been great about doing that. The in, uh, I should say the in, industry has been great about implementing some of those changes. And uh, the record shows that. Uh, so hats off to everybody. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Jeb, what do you got? Yeah. So we, we talked about this in previous episodes. There's um, Back during World War II or shortly thereafter, there was a uh, new aircraft developed um, based on the P-51 Mustang. It's called uh, the P-82 or the XP-82. I don't mm-hmm. think it really ever made it into production, mm-hmm. uh, or, or certainly into service. But basically, they took two um, uh, North American Mustangs, I guess, I guess D models, and stuck a, took the left wing out of one and the right wing out of the other, pushed them together with um, a wing separating them, and made a twin-engine fighter, a fighter-bomber yeah. out of this. Um, very few of them were made. Very few of them survive, except now there is one that's been uh, under restoration um, and just recently uh, made the news. Um, the headline on AvWeb reads, XP-82 takes accidental first flight. <laughs> okay. And, and my, and my reaction the, was, yeah, right. This is the accidental part. That you, we had a little Howard Hughes moment here is what you're saying, exactly. right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. So what happened? So the, the, he was doing some taxi tests, and he's, you know, the mission was, in fact, to do a high-speed taxi test. Right. And um, you're making little finger quotes I, when you I, say I, that, I, right? I think I read this, maybe not in this article, but somewhere else. And, uh, oh, my, you know, you put 
you apply 55 manifold, 55 inches of manifold pressure to two Merlin engines, and you think nothing's going to happen? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Come on. So what, what did happen? You took well, what was expected? What did they claim was expected? They uh, said it just just supposed to be doing a high-speed taxi test. And I'm like, yeah, right, sure. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh-huh. Yeah. And what did happen? They took off. Uh, it, it took off uh, if, uh, with some alacrity, I'm told, or I understand. Right. And yeah. uh, the pilot circled around, left the gear down, circled around, uh, made a couple of circuits, came back and landed. I, I think there was a line in there about he said he said this was actually the safer thing for me to do. Well, yeah, I, ultimately. But when you when you, I mean, come on. You poured 55 inches into two Merlins, and you don't think something's going to happen like this? Now, yeah. I, yeah, it's great. I, I don't know whether – I don't know what to make of this. I'm wondering, though, so is it – are there permits involved here? That's, I guess, my question. Are there permits involved here? It is not to not to point a finger at these particular people. Let's talk hypothetically about this kind of a situation, all right? Um, when you're doing the sort of test that they intended to do, you must have to have some sort of clearance, some sort of certification, some permit, some sort of something, all right? And does that something say you're not, don't go flying this no, time? You're we, not, don't, we don't need right? no stinking badges. Right. And so what I'm, what I'm getting at here is they were only, you know, and, but, and, you know, the only reason they accidentally, now I'm making finger quotes, accidentally went flying was because they didn't have the permit to do it. And if it was accidental, then they didn't need the permit. It's still I legal. Don't don't believe it works that way. You, no? The FAA comes out and inspects your experimental aircraft, which is yeah. what this is. Yeah. And says, okay, it looks like it can fly. Uh, whether it's airworthy or not is up to you to discover okay. in the 15-hour or whatever right. flight test period that you have to uh, accumulate before they cut you loose to, to go around the country. Mm-hmm. Uh, and think about this. Two of those Merlins at 55 inches of manifold pressure, it, as the text says, that's a, a little over three times the normal horsepower of a P-51. Then you throw in the weight. It's only one and a half times the weight of a regular P-51. So right. you got a much higher power-to-weight ratio. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't uh, surprise me at all that it surprised the pilot by getting to uh, flight speed more quickly than he expected. And this has happened to other pilots before. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking from first-hand experience, that was how I made my first uh, trike flight. The first time I flew anything with an engine, all I was supposed to be doing was raising the nose gear and then letting it settle and raising the nose gear and letting it settle. And the little hang glider rig, the trike, accelerated up behind it, 40 horsepower Kawasaki, so much quicker than I expected. And when I tried to raise the nose, well, the thrust pushed the trike gear forward, and with my stiff arms on the control bar, the wing pitched up, and the next thing I knew, I was 300, 350 feet off the runway and climbing all right and i made three circuits before i had a setup that made me comfortable that i could get it back down on the pavement yeah, without okay. bending anything it's a good thing and that's you, your 
Go ahead, Jack. Go ahead. That's your story, and you're sticking to it, right, David? Uh, ask Dan Johnson. He was he was my instructor. Okay. I, I, the only I, thing I have to say, it's a great thing that you took those hang gliders lessons. <laughs> yeah, right, right. Ask Dan Johnson. Dan Johnson these days has become quite the responsible adult, but I don't know back in those days what he might have been like, because I think he might have been like David, a little bit of a wild child. Uh, oh, I'm shocked by that. Yeah, I know, huh? Um <laughs> Anyways, I'm sorry, Jeb. Were you going to jump in there with something? No, or are we going to? No. Are we done? We're moving on here. Anything else? Anybody? Uh, uh, shout outs here? Or are we done? It's fork time. Fork time. It's fork time. It's like four inches of snow out there. I don't know. I'm going to have to go out and measure the snow. And uh, come on, really? I, yeah. I. I. It wasn't supposed to. And and and, I'm seeing now the forecast for the first time is about next. Uh, what's today? Today is Thursday. Is it next Tuesday? It must be next Tuesday. Anyways, next week sometime, 8 to 12 inches. 8 to 12 inches. Very right the time we're recording. Now you're talking. Right about the time we're recording. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Anyways, all right. Uh, let's see now. I got the wrong page on my screen here. Where'd it go? It's uh, this one over here. Thank you, guys. It's always a blast. I enjoy uh, talking with you, even when you do give me a hard time. Uh, Jeb Burnside. Jeb uh, is a freelance aviation writer and editor, serving as the editor-in-chief of Aviation Safety Magazine. Uh, what have you been up to, Jeb? What are you working on? Um, I saw a cool picture of your of your magazine yeah, on the that, cow- cowling of another airplane. What was that all about? That was, that was very cool, actually. I just, just saw that this week. There's a, a Russian-based shooter um, photographer. photographer, excuse me, um, who frequents um, airports and, and uh, flies, you know, next to or or uh, shoots airplanes from uh, the ground. And uh, he's done some very good work over the years, and he he posts most of his stuff to Flickr with a feel free to use it for free. Uh, but just give me credit license. And I frequently use his stuff in the magazine. One of the images I used, I don't know, a year or so ago, uh, was on the cover. And just this week I noticed that he's posted an image on Flickr. He took a picture of the magazine on the cowling of the airplane that is in the image, if that makes any sense. So, yeah, so he's he's proud of the fact yeah. that he got on your cover yeah. and was was, and and this was the same airplane same, too. Same airplane, yeah. Same airplane that, that, cool. that he took the image of that appeared That's on the cover. Cool. So yeah, yeah, it was pretty cool. Uh, so what are you working on? So I just put the finishing touches on the February issue, uh, literally earlier this morning. So that's uh, well, I was really on, yeah, cutting it close, huh? Um, I mean, I, no, no I, the, and what I mean by that... Everything what I mean has by that, a beginning and an end. I know. What I mean by that is we usually schedule a podcast to live, leave you lots of room. Yes, we and, usually uh, do. I didn't realize that we had the podcast quite so close yeah, to your finish time. There's this, there's this new yeah. thing. It's called um, caffeine. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. So uh, so you've been working on that, and that's going to come out. And, that's going to uh, come what out. Else? Anything um, else? Or, uh, where can, or, where, I, or can people just look on the Internet? People can, can look on the Internet. They can find me at, of course, aviationmagazine.com. Um, I'll pop up on AvWeb sometimes. I'll pop up on AEA.net for the Aircraft Electronics Association. I'll pop up uh, maybe General Aviation News and maybe even AINonline.com. Busy guy. Busy guy. Yeah. Very cool. Did you say Twitter? I don't know. If I did you, not. I Burnside J on Twitter. Very good. Thank you. 
Thank you. And Dave Higdon. Dave is an aviation photographer and aviation journalist and the U.S. editor for London's Ab Buyer magazine. What have you been working on, David? You're home now. You back to work? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've uh, been back to work for several days. And uh, uh, I took yesterday off. Half I took half of yesterday off, but that's a different story. Goofing uh, off on your birthday. Yeah. Uh, well, I... Uh, Looking at the contents page of uh, the January Avionics News, and shock and surprise to me, there's three of my bylines on that p- contents there, page. There you go. There you go. And if I could blow this puppy up a little bit, mm-hmm. I believe I'm talking about the ADSB mandate. Uh, yeah. And one of the stories, and uh, Avidine's IFD 550 all-in-one navigator, and uh, where's the other one? Oh, well, it's two, two's enough. Uh, doing my yeah. weekly blog for uh, Av Buyer Magazine and uh, working on some features for uh, the uh, February Av Buyer that are due mm-hmm. next week. So Cool. Where, and so where can people find out about all this stuff on the Internet? Well, Avionics News, like with Jeb, that's AEA.net, and click on the link for publications, and the magazine's there. It's free to read. Uh, avbuyer.com where my features appear in Avbuyer magazine and my weekly business aviation blog or uh, yeah, I've got some new stuff in the mix that I'm not going to uh, talk about until it's in print but uh, new client a new job and uh, a cool. little, little more fun than the usual business aviation story for me so Good. Uh, we're staying busy cool Cool, you are okay. You get to buy lunch next time. I know. There you go. Really? There you go. I know. We get, we'll have him. We'll have him. Uh, oh, never mind. I was going to make a oh a, the third a, a bourbon. The third story was about lithium ion batteries. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Well, hold that for next time. You'll tell us more yeah. about that next time. Anyways, and I'm Jack Hodgson. I'm a private pilot, a freelance writer, and a digital media producer. Uh, still moving in. Still trying to get organized. Uh, and then today, shoveling snow. So. That's my life these days. <laughs> uh, and uh, I had an interesting New Year's, went over to uh, Portsmouth, New Hampshire, which does a uh, first night celebration, and that was kind of fun. Um, but uh, basically just living life and doing podcasts. Um, I, I'm going to start traveling for the so-called day job again pretty soon, but more on that later on. You can find me online, uh, most of the usual places, by the username Jack Hodgson. That's my first and last name just bumped together. Um, for example, YouTube.com slash Jack Hodgson, Twitter.com slash Jack Hodgson, and Patreon.com slash Jack Hodgson. On Amazon, you can search for my ebooks by searching the words around the field in the books section, and you can sign up for my email newsletter at jackhodgson.com. David, was there something you wanted to tell us? Well, the only way to get to my age, old age is to spend time flying because, well, time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. It should be obvious in my case. So long. And that's enough talking. Let's go flying. Happy New Year. Woo! Little fireworks noises there. Bam, boom, 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 boom. Bop, yeah. bop. 